On today's episode, grab your holy water and sharpen those stakes because we're revisiting a teen horror comedy with a California heartthrob, a baby-faced Dewey Riley, and Pee Wee Harmon? How does this combo mesh? Stay tuned and find out on this week's episode of Popcorn and a Popstar. Hi, 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 and welcome back to Popcorn and a Popstar, a movie commentary podcast from a drag pop star's colorful point of view. I'm your drag pop star host, Indies MX Judge Siwa Pop Prince, Brantley Bitch, and yes, still your drag best friend queen. Yes, bitch, we are here in episode two. Like, let me just start off again by saying thank you so much for the reception that y'all gave me from episode one. Like, that just means so much to me. So, again, thank you so much for joining and tuning into the episode. And I just want to say thank you for being here for episode two. And with that, you already know we're watching today. We are doing the 1992 cult classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This film was released in July of 1992, and it was directed by Fran Rebel Cousy and was written by, well, you know, now problematic Joss Whedon, who went on to write and direct the WB hit series of the same name, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes, we live for Sarah Michelle Gellar here. It was filmed on a $7 million budget, and it grossed over $16 million at the U.S. box office. Also, some notable faces that we almost actually got in this film were David Bowie, Mick Jagger, and Carrie Elwes of The Princess Bride and Saw fame. And they were set to be vampires in this movie. And we also almost got Alyssa Milano, like pre-charmed, like late who's the boss Alyssa Milano to play Buffy. But we didn't. We got Christy Swanson. So without any further ado, let's push play on the 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we open up this film in the actual Dark Ages in Europe, and we get a peek at the Victorian era versions of Merrick and Buffy. Buffy's very much her, like, you know, peasant girl era, like very PGE. And we get the opening narration of, since the dawn of time, the vampires have walked among us, killing, feeding. The only one with the strength or skill to stop their heinous ways is the Slayer. She who bears the mark, the mark of the coven. Trained by the Watcher, one Slayer dies and the next is chosen. And baby, let me just tell you, like basically Merrick gives her this dagger and she lifts it in the air and it becomes a pom-pom. And bitch, let me tell you, it was like glorious because it goes from the dark ages to present day. And we now see that Buffy is in present day as a normal girl and is a cheerleader. And let me just tell you, this opening credit scene was everything to my little queer heart. Baby, the song was lit, the outfit. Fits were cute, the pom-poms were flowing, this scene was it. So as we open up the title cards, we get to see some notable faces. Let's start off with Christy Swanson. She was actually cast as Buffy. And fun fact, this was not actually Swanson's first major starring role. It was actually in the 1991 Mannequin sequel, Mannequin 2 On The Move, as well as numerous TV shows and extra spots on shows like Growing Pains and Cagney and Lacey. And some notable cameos that we actually get in this scene, we get a very pre-Oscar winning Hilary Swank. She's going to be playing 
playing Buffy's friend Kimberly, and we get Sasha Jensen of Dazed and Confused fame, which let me just tell you, Sasha Jensen was so fine to me. Like, I remember seeing him in this movie, and then I saw him in Dazed and Confused, and it's like, that man has got some eyebrows, he looks like a fucking caveman, but he is fine. We then move on to the mall, as, you know, teen girls do at the time of the 90s. We go to the mall. And so we go to the mall, and we're just chatting about life. Buffy's talking about how her teacher says she has no sense of history and gave her a C-plus on her test. Like, things that, you know, Southern California girls talk about in, you know, the 90s. And we get to see... Buffy see this like yellow vinyl leather. I don't know what it was, but it was a gorgeous yellow jacket. And I was like, ooh, I wanted that leather jacket. Like, let me just tell you, that jacket was everything. And in the 90s, I bet you I would have worn it. But lo and behold, we basically get gaslit by her friend Kimberly, fucking Hillary Swanks. Like, ew, no. And like her other friends, like Nicole and Jennifer, are just like, um, yeah. So, like, as they're getting ready to leave the mall to go to the movies, they semi-run into Merrick. Like, Merrick basically comes and tries to stop the elevator door from them going down. And Buffy's just, like, sassy AF. She's just like, excuse you, get the next one. Like, she didn't say that, but she's like, get the next one. We end up at the movies, and they're just chit-chatting about just what's going on for the weekend, because Buffy's parents are going out of town. And we kind of meet Luke Perry's character, Pike. And his friend Benny, which Pike is played by 90210 heartthrob, Luke Perry, and a very pre-screen, like very early David Arquette. Like, I think this is what, like, one of his first roles. We get like very baby-faced 90s stars who are, I would say, pretty big nowadays. I mean, Luke Perry, R.I.P., like he was on Riverdale and he was still daddy on that show. As the film is ending and the girls are walking out, we see and kind of meet Jeffrey, who's Buffy's boyfriend, Grueler, who is also Jeffrey's friend, and his friend Andy. And they pull up as the girls are walking out, and Buffy just gives, like, the most inconvenient kiss in the world. He's got his, like, top down, and so she just, like, leans in over Andy to kiss her boyfriend, and it's just, like, her ass is in Andy's face, and he's just like, uh, can I touch her? And she's like no bitch which girl you don't do that one you could have walked your ass around quit being lazy so grueler actually like decides to just hightail it himself because jeffrey wouldn't give him a ride because he's hanging out with buffy so he's like sorry bro so grueler decides to go his own path and it's in this moment that we actually meet one of our villains of the film amlin who is played by none other than paul peewee herman rubens i lived because this is like around that time i think he had that big like movie theater scandal which if if you don't know about that, just search Pee Wee Movie Theater and it'll pop up. And it's just so funny to see him in this film because, you know, as Pee Wee, he was clean cut, had that like slicked back hair. And in this, he is just like messy, has a beard and scraggly hair. It was so crazy to see like that transformation. And it wasn't until like I actually got older that I realized, oh my God, that's Paul Rubens work. And a fun film fact for my film heads out there. So anybody who owned this film on VHS or DVD will actually notice a picture of Grueler being attacked by like a nerdy looking vampire. 
Now, this was actually a deleted scene, so since it was actually cut out of the film, a lot of people just assumed that Amelin killed Gruler, but it was actually this vampire that did the killing. And that vampire that attacked Gruler is actually Seth Green. He wasn't credited for this role or anything, but it's ironic because he would later go on to play Oz in the TV series. And he also appears one other time in this film at the very end at the dance scene outside of the gym in like a if you blink you'll miss it kind of moment, but he's there. So Buffy and Jeffrey are hanging out at Buffy's house and her parents are just scrambling to leave and I guess they're going on vacation, I don't know. But it was just, this scene was always funny to me because her mom's all like, bye Bobby, to like Jeffrey. And Jeffrey's like, she thinks my name is Bobby. And then Buffy's like, no, it's impossible. She thinks my name is Bobby. Like, it just goes to show you that Buffy's mom really wasn't like a prevalent entity in the movie, but she is in the TV series so I always liked that kind of dynamic shift of the show because like in the movie her parents were never there and then like in the show her mom is there and then we kind of like you know feel for Joyce and we get to know Joyce and if you watch the TV show you know where I'm going with this Later that night, we see a glimpse of Victorian Buffy again, and she is fighting a vampire. And it's just in this moment that we see the strength that the Slayer does have, and she ends up meeting Lothos, who's going to be our main villain of this film. And it's in this moment that Victorian Buffy realizes that this is who the head vampire is. She's going to have to, like, fight and slay. And unfortunately, he ends up killing her. And we come to see that it's a dream. But Buffy then realizes that, oh, wow, crazy. And we meet Lothos in present day, but we don't really get to meet him. We just get to see his hand kind of thing. But it was such a cool, like, moment because, like, when we meet him, like, he's talking to Amelin. Well, Amelin's talking to him, I should say. And he raises this glove out of this, like, red LED lit coffin with no lid. And I'd like, oh, that's so cool. And we don't really get to see him, but we know that he is there. And that is who's going to be coming out of that coffin sooner than later. And with that, I'm going to go on Amazon and see if I can find an LED coffin. So while we do that, let's take a short break. And we are back and it is the first thing of the next day at school and we are prom planning. I don't know if it was prom. I think it was just like a senior dance, but I consider like a senior dance to be like a prom, but I don't know. But anyway, we are curating ideas for a senior dance and we get to meet Cassandra who I'm assuming is one of Buffy's friends like she doesn't roll with like like the main group of like Kimberly and Nicole and Jennifer but like she's like there and we also get to I guess see Jeffrey's friends which is just Andy at this point so the girls talk about meeting at Cafe Blase to continue talking about the dance ideas and then fast forward to later that night at Cafe Blase and it's the it's the dance committee so I mean everybody except for Cassandra Sandra is there, so at this point, they're just continuing to talk about just random things, and lo and be fucking hold, Kimberly walks in with the yellow jacket that she basically gaslit Buffy into not buying, and Buffy's just, like, so plucked about it, like, she's, like, seriously kind of thing, 
and Kimberly's like, oh no, it's retro. And it's official that we meet Pike and Benny at this cafe because they're just kind of bumming and just hanging out. And we get a notable cameo from Miss Ricky Lake herself as the waitress. So... Benny being Benny is trying to get with him, and so is Pike. Pike's trying to just be gentle about it and just be like, hey, what's up? I'm Pike. And Buffy's like, you know what? Pike's not a name. It's Fish. Girl, she read. She didn't even know this boy, and she was just reading, reading. And then Benny takes the more, like, sexual approach and, like, takes a hot dog and, like, sh- like you know, runs with it at her. And she takes a knife, and all you hear is... And she, like, I guess slid his dog, which cracks me up because she, it sounds like she does, like, two quick swips and then, like, the hot dogs just split down the middle. Like, to me, it, it would have been one of those that the way it sounded, it sounded a lot more brutal than what it was. But, no, we just get a down the middle hot dog. As Benny and Pike leave the cafe and they head up to the hills, they're just talking about their aspirations and getting out of the town. But unfortunately, someone has other plans for these two. Amlin comes and basically attacks Benny without Pike even knowing because Pike is so out of it and so drunk that he didn't even notice. And Merrick comes up and practically saves Pike because Benny already's gone. And he basically helps Pike get home and safe from the hills. So here we are again at the next day and we're at practice this time. And the girls are just, you know, kind of doing their little cheer thing and everybody leaves. And as, like, they're leaving, Jennifer comes up and she's just like, I have an idea for the dance kind of thing. And it's like, how about we say, like, don't tread on me and do, like, a big picture of the earth. And Buffy is just so fucking lost. She's just like, how do you not tread on the earth? I mean, you're gonna kind of have to, right? (laughs) It's one of those things that I'm like, poor Jennifer, like, bless her heart, as they would say in the South. It's then revealed that Buffy let Cassandra borrow the jacket that Kimberly let her borrow. So now she's like, hey, don't tell her kind of thing. And that, I don't want to say it will play a pivotal role, but it'll come up later in the movie. As everyone's gone from the gym, we then officially finally meet Merrick, who is played by Donald Sutherland, who is the father of Lost Boy star Kiefer Sutherland, which that's kind of ironic to me that his dad played a vampire slayer and Kiefer played a vampire in Lost Boys. I don't know. That's just ironically funny to me. And it's in this moment that he kind of basically tells her like, hey, listen, this is your birthright. You're a slayer and I need you to come with me to the graveyard because I need basically need to get you trained. And he's like, yeah, basically you have the birthmark mole. And Buffy's like, what do you mean that mole on my boob? Gross. It's gone. And like her comebacks are so sassy. She's just like, does Elvis talk to you? Do you see things? Do you see spots? Like just the shade. Like that's thing I always loved about the film version of Buffy because she was just so sassy like don't get me wrong Sarah Michelle Gellar had her like her witty moments and like sassy moments but they weren't like this like Christy Swanson's just like the typical blonde girl in the 90s just like just reading left and right so eventually he coaxes her to end up going to the graveyard with him which she's just like already not having it kind of thing and it's in the midst of all of this that we see Cassandra who was wearing Kimberly's yellow leather jacket get attacked. We don't really see her get attacked but we see the camera fly around her like very Lost Boy style so you know that she's being attacked. 
And after this, we basically see Buffy kill her first vampire because a freshly killed vampire rises from their grave and Buffy slays them. Actually, she slays two, but it's a quick one. So as Buffy is slaying vampires in the graveyard, Benny has risen and is now at Pike's apartment who lives on the second floor of an apartment building. So needless to say that Benny is floating outside of Pike's window right now. After Buffy makes her first kill, or kills I should say, Merrick then drives her home and tells her, hey, I need you to come to training tomorrow. And she's just like, I can't, I got practice, I can't with that. And he's just like, this is more important. And she's like, sorry about it. And it's as Buffy's walking in, again, we see her parents rushing out to just do something. Like, Buffy just kind of like slithers in like, I don't want to get caught, then caught. And the mom's like, you know what time it is? And Buffy's like, I don't know, like 10? And the mom's like, I know, right? Like, this watch doesn't even fucking work. Like, I told your dad this doesn't work. And it's just like, it just goes to show you, like, the amount of, like, how much Buffy's parents weren't a part of, like, her life in this movie, but more so in the TV show. As Buffy gets ready for bed, she's cleaning off her Letterman jacket because it got dirty and it goes from a very transitional dream state and she ends up dreaming about present day Lothos being in her bed, which is, it was kind of cringe to like re-see that. It's like literally she's like laying on top of him, like he's the bed, like mattress and she's just laying on top of him. And we see a still alive Cassandra, but now she's in Lothos's lair. And now you know something's about to happen because the jacket's gone and she is about to meet her maker for sure in this scene. As the next day comes around, we see Buffy and the girls like in the locker room getting ready for practice. And, you know, like I'll be out there. Don't worry. And as she's getting ready, like Merrick like slithers into the locker room and she is like, just, why are you here? And he's like, I told you we had practice. And she's like, girl, bye. I told you I had practice. And he basically like telling her that she has to do this. Otherwise the world's in danger. And she's like, girl, pick the next girl. I don't want to do this. And basically throws a knife at her, which she catches. And it goes on to be one of the greatest like quotes of this movie, which I quoted again, a lot in my youth. And I'm not going to like verbatim it because it's that good. Like, you know, if you look it up online, but I will give you one of my favorites of it all. She was just like, don't you get it? I don't want to be a vampire slayer. All I want to do is graduate from high school, go to Europe, marry Christian Slater and die. Which ironically, the line was originally supposed to be marry Charlie Sheen. But they didn't end up using that. However, they did both go on to co-star together in 1994's The Chase. So they do kind of get that moment. I don't think they got married or anything. But they both went on to start a movie together. So that's kind of interesting to know. It's then that Buffy basically finds her strength and finds her voice and punches the shit out of Merrick. And that's when she realizes, okay, I gotta be a slayer. Let's do this. And we get this entire, like, training montage between her training with Merrick and her trying to go to school and balance her, like, friends and everything of that nature. And it's just in this moment that we are starting to see, like, Buffy starting to get worn down. Because in the beginning, she's all, like, peppy and, like, you know, vibrant. But now she's learning, like, her true slayer potential and learning that she has to save the world. I feel like her, like, character or her persona demeanor changed just slightly. And I definitely feel like we see this progression throughout the film because now she is realizing, I have to do this. 
And amidst of all this training, we do figure out who Lothos actually is because Merrick actually tells Buffy, this is who you're going to be fighting, plain and simple. And this is why you're fighting. This is why you're training. This is why we're here. And like one quick little note scene that always was really cool to me, which kids don't try this at home. In this scene, she ends up talking to the principal because he's like, listen, things have changed about you, Buffy. You know, I just want to make sure you're okay, this, that, and the other. And starts basically telling her the story about what time he went to, like, a concert and took, like, drugs. I don't remember what drugs it is, but he basically, like, took some drugs and was, like, just talking about his tripping experience. And as this is happening, there's this fly flying around the office, and Buffy just is like, hmm. So she grabs, like, a push pin and puts it in her mouth and spits it out and hits the fly, like, dead in the heart. And it just goes to show you, like, this is how toned and how, like, honed in her Slayer skills are becoming. Because she killed a fly with a pushpin. And I always thought, that is so cool. I did attempt this a lot as a kid to put, like, you know, a pushpin in my mouth and try to spit it out and got in a lot of trouble. So don't try this at home, kids. It's later that night and Buffy is kind of, like, by herself, just casually walking around, like, the dark, gross, foggy alley by herself, and she starts getting cramps, like, basically, like, it's that time of the month, like, ugh, cramps, girl, and it's in this moment that as her cramps start kicking in, a vampire shows up, and of course, she slays the crap out of him, but then we ultimately realize that it was a test, and Merrick just pops up with the stopwatch, it's like, So she realizes that, oh, this was a trap. And he was like, no, this isn't. This was just a test. And you did okay, but you're going to have to be better than the next time because there might be more. And it's kind of like revealed that Buffy's like trigger alert system to know that a vampire's near is PMS. And which was really funny because that was a power that was kind of written out of the TV series. So like... We get it in the movie that, yeah, Cramps is her her secret weapon, but we never got that in the actual TV show. As Pike is trying to leave the city, he ends up breaking down on the side of the road in like this, I'd say, wooded area. And that's when we see three vampires attempt to attack him, Amlin being one of them. And they basically jump on the van and the van starts up. Amlin is like trying to like get Pike, he like ends up losing an arm. And I just thought that was just so funny to me because he ends up not having it the rest of the movie, which again, take note of this because it will come back into play later on in the movie. And we get Buffy saving Pike this time because she that's what she does. She knows. So she ends up basically going and saving Pike from these vampires. And Merrick pops up as well. We get invited back to Buffy's house because she... Is like, hey, you can crash here. I saw you were getting ready to leave. And they kind of bond over her saving him. And it's just kind of one of those moments that I'm like, oh, like, I like this. Because, I mean, at this point, Pike was just some dude that had ran into Buffy like once or twice in this past three or four days. And now that they're, you know, kind of bonding, I always liked that kind of like relationship that they kind of started bonding in this scene. And we end up back in Lothos's lair with Amlin, who's like crying and bitching that he just lost his arm. And Lothos is like, well, that's what you get. Like, literally, I sent you to do like one job and you can't even do that. 
and it goes to show now their dynamic of like Lothos and Amlin have been together for a while and you could definitely tell that Amlin is like fed up with Lothos's shit because he's just like Lothos is just like you know you're 200 years old and you act like a child get it together so while I go look for Kimberly's jacket in this layer we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back are back now it is a brand new day and unfortunately we are learning the sad news that cassandra is dead they found her body in the hills so r.i.p cassandra they actually got your gal and like as we're like walking down the hall jeffrey and andy walk in and andy goes and like smacks buffy's ass and she like grabs that arm and flips him like a fucking pancake and then she throws him up against the locker and he's just like oh my god i'm sorry and she's just like, don't fucking grab me like that. Don't do that shit. And let's just put it out there. Consent is mandatory, even in the 90s. I'm going to assume it's like later in the that same day because basically Buffy realizes like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep trying to balance this life and trying to keep this secret. So she basically tells Merrick like, listen, I need to stop doing this and focus on what I need to do, like cheering and not slaying anymore because it's affecting my social life and I can't do this anymore. So we fast forward to the basketball game where Buffy has to cheer at. And it's in this moment that we meet Vampire Grueler and I gotta say, still could get it. And a fun cameo that we do get is from very, again, very babyface Ben Affleck. Very, like, pre-Goodwill hunting, for sure. One of his probably first roles as well. But fun fact, Sasha and Ben actually starred in the 1993 stoner classic Days to Confuse together. So if you enjoy that movie, there you go. Crossover. And it's at this point that Buffy knows that Grueler has vamped over. So she basically is trying to like save anybody that's in that gym right now. So she basically trips him on the court and tries to attack him in front of everybody. But he just dips because he knows like I can't do this right here. He's got to lure her. So he basically leads her out of the gym and she ends up going after him. And like as she's running out of the gym, she runs into these like Harley dudes outside of the gym and she ends up taking one of the dude's bikes and this is like, this is ready for it. This is the first time I had ever heard the word dyke in my life. I didn't know what dyke meant. I remember like I asked somebody, what does dyke mean? And somebody was like, it's like a ditch or something. I don't know if they were trying to protect me from the actual word, but this was like the first time I had ever heard the word dyke. And I mean, like I'd heard like the word fag a bunch of times, but never dyke. So this was like the introduction of that word to my like gay vocabulary. So thanks Buffy for giving me the word dyke. As it was planned, Grueler managed to lure Buffy to this carnival. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like a touring circus or carnival or something, but it was like this big area that had like rides or like some kind of floaty things. So I don't know what this was. I just assumed it was like this like traveling carnival of some sort. But he ends up luring her there and it's kind of one of those things that she gets surrounded by more than just one vampire at this point. So she's facing three at this point. 
But lo and behold, Pike managed to not leave town and had a stake on him and basically made a coat rack out of Gruler. And he helps Buffy slay these vampires, even though he doesn't know how to slay a vampire, really. He just knows how to fight them like a person. So Buffy ends up having to kind of save them both in this situation. But at least he tried. At least he gave it like a collegiate, like A for effort sidekick moment. It's in this moment, too, that, like, the tone just, it shifts. And it was always one of those moments that just always made me, like, super sad. Because we end up actually meeting Lothos, and he tries to lure Buffy in to ultimately kill her. And it's this moment that he's asking, like, you know, who's gonna stop me in doing this? Because Pike's like, you know what? Listen, I got her back. And Amlin, with one arm, is just in the background, like, are you trying to talk? Are you trying to talk? And Pike's just like, bitch, one-armed Mary over here. Are you talking to me? And it was just really sad because it's in this moment that Merrick tries to protect Buffy. And Lothos ultimately kills Merrick with his own stake. And it's it's one of those moments that really kind of made me sad. Like, it's really weird how, like, some kids were like, when Bambi's mom died, like, I cried. For me, like, when Merrick, like, died, I was super sad. I remember, like, actually crying as a kid. Like, oh, no. Like, I really liked him. Now what's gonna happen? And as Merrick is slowly passing in Buffy's arms, he tells her to keep doing what she's doing in the way she's doing it because without her keen fashion sense as she had said in a previous scene she used that to get far in the slaying gig and it was one of those moments that as he passed he told her when the music stops the rest is silent and I never understood that I never understood that particular line but like growing up Like, it just never really resonated. But I did kind of do some research on what it kind of, like, what it meant. And ultimately, this was supposed to be a nod to, like, Hamlet. The rest is silent part. Um, But also, it was meant to play an agent for Buffy to listen to the silence to help break her trance when Lothos would try to, like, entice her or entrance her to basically just listen to the silence to block him out and fight the fight that you need to fight. Which, now that I know what it means now, it feels like it makes so much more sense and it just is kind of like a foreshadowing of what's to come and that's just a really cool like element that I guess like you learn and like it resonates with you as an adult and this was a sad moment because it's like now Buffy doesn't have like a mentor to help her and she has to kind of rely on herself and Pike at this moment and it just was just really sad to lose him as a character But here we are. It is the day of the dance. Finally. Jesus. Finally. Very that. Thank God the dance is finally here. Because we have been talking about this dance. I don't even know what the theme ended up actually being. But Buffy basically comes clean to her friends about what's going on and who Merrick was. And Kimberly is just like, you know what, Buffy? You're acting real fucking weird. And you just need to just figure your life out. So, girl, bye. And again, like, I don't know what it was about Kimberly's character. I was never a fan of it. Like, Hilary Swank, I know, is a great actress and she does great art house films. But, like, I just feel that in this movie, she was that gaslighting, like, friend that nobody needed. So as the night kind of, like, goes on, Pike runs into Buffy on the strip of the, like, I don't want to say it's the mall. 
but he just runs to her on the strip of the sidewalk and ultimately tells her, like, Buffy, you got to keep doing this because Merrick would want this. And she ultimately just blows him off like, listen, Merrick's dead. I'm going to live my life. You should live yours. Goodbye. And it's just kind of one of those things that she tells him, I'm going to the dance. I am going to dance with my friends and I'm going to do this. So you do you. I'm going to do me. Unknowingly saying this in front of a photo booth who happens to have Benny inside who was taking photos and stuff. And he comes out of the photo booth and he automatically knows who Buffy is and he knows exactly what the buffet is going to be at this dance. And as he walks away, the photo booth drops his photos and of course they're all blank. So I always thought that was just like a fun, like little nod to being a vampire. And it's also in this moment that Lothos realizes that, all right, I know what we're doing tonight and we are going to this dance. And and we begin this little montage of everybody kind of preparing for the dance, whether it's Pike sharpening up wooden things to make steaks, Buffy's looking at dresses, and then Pike is also shaving and getting all quaffed for the dance. It's one of those fun little moments. The song was kind of fitting, and plus to see, like, Luke Perry in a tank top in the 90s, that man is so fine, too. And while I go get ready for the senior dance myself, we're going to take one last break, and we'll be right back. are back at the senior dance which is aptly named hug the world we went through so many names but we ended up on hug the world sure and kimberly and nicole are just off to the side just judging people left and right like making fun of girls hair making fun of girls dresses guys outfits and just being total like petty girls and uh this is like i would say top five Looks that made me just like, oh, gag as a child. Buffy walks in in this gorgeous, like, white, poofy kind of, like, tooly dress with, like, a cute, like, white corset top. And it was just really cute. And she had, like, white high tops. And it was just such a fierce look. And you could tell that she dressed for the occasion. Like, I will wear this because it's cute. But I also, if I need to use it, I'm good. So Buffy inquires to her friends about had they seen Jeffrey and Jeffrey walks up and Buffy's just like, uh, hey, and Jeffrey basically told her that, yeah, I'm here with Jenny and Buffy's like, are you fucking kidding me? How are you here with Jenny? You're my boyfriend. And he's like, well, I called your house and left you a voicemail and Another quotable, notable moment. She says, you left me a message and broke up with my machine. She was so pissed, which sadly I can relate because this has happened to me in my like gay youth. We're not going to talk about it, but it has happened and it sucks. But you know what? It's cool because in walks Pike looking so sexy. Got his hair slicked back. Got this like leather jacket like, nice, like, white shirt, and just looking so good, and he basically kind of talks to Buffy, and she warms up to him, and they kind of have this, like, 
soft romantic moment because it's in this moment that I feel she finally let her guard down with Pike and realized that he is a good guy. And it was just such a great moment to me. But it's soon going to be interrupted by a gang of vampires breaking into the dance. And Buffy's like, oh, we're fine. Basically, like, they can't come in unless we invite them in. And then Kimberly's like, um, I invited them because they're seniors. So it's in this moment that Buffy realizes she's got to go into action. Like, this is it. This is what she's been training for. This is what we have to do. So she basically tells Pike, listen, I'm going to go deal with this. You deal with this in here. And Pike's like, all right, do what you got to do. And as she's, like, running away, he grabs her skirt and it rips. And another iconic look moment for Buffy. She's got this, like, tutu-length, like, tool skirt now and he throws her his jacket and let me just tell you she puts that in combination (gasps) I was like you better work like I remember having like Barbies and trying to dress them up in outfits that were similar to this so as Buffy basically makes her way outside it's one of those things that she has to fight off this entire like crew of vampires at this point and Fun face. We see Cassandra in the yellow jacket. So I don't think Kimberly's getting it back anytime soon. And Pike does what he's supposed to be doing. He's handling the inside crowd. So it's in this moment that Buffy runs into Amlin. And he basically coaxes her and tricks her into going into this basement to basically meet up with Lothos because he's down there. And it's so funny in this moment that they're having this like tiff in this basement that he's just like, you know, you're weak, you're this, you can't do that. We can do anything. I can do anything. And Buffy pins him up against the walls like, oh yeah, clap. Because he ain't got but one arm. So girl, I remember just laughing so hard and be like, that ain't me, girl. She got him, girl. She's, she's still reading the girls. And it's in this moment that she finally is face-to-face with Lothos in a small setting. And he lured her in with this song and got to a point where he almost had her. And as this is going on below the school, above, Benny has found Pike. And Pike is like, oh man, this is my friend. He's a vampire. I'm face-to-face with him now. What do I do? And it was also one of those things, too, that it kind of puts that idea in your head. Like, if you have to, I mean, what do you do in this situation? I know it's your friend, but he's not your friend anymore. So ultimately, they start fighting, and he ends up throwing Benny up against a power box and surging the entire school. Which, therefore, brings into play the metaphor that Merrick told Buffy, which was, when the music stops, the rest is silent. So Buffy basically takes that message and comes out of the trance that Lothos almost had her in. And it's so funny that like leading up to this, like she's having this conversation with Lothos and he's like, we're destined to be together. And Buffy's just like, we are, please girl. Bye. And it's so funny because it kind of wraps back around because when the trance is broken, he basically almost has her, but she pulls this cross out of her purse and like pulls it up in his face like, boom, I got a cross. And he's like, oh, you got a cross? Police. Trying to mock her. And I just thought that was really funny too because it's like, don't do that. It's like when your parents try to use like slang or like they try to use like cool words. It's like, mom, dad, don't do that. 
don't say that word, please. My friends are over there. So, like, she uses her keen fashion sense because on top of him grabbing the cross, it becomes aflamed. And she uses a can of hairspray to create, like, a mini little blowtorch, which another kids, don't try this at home moment because I used to do this stuff all the time. I would find, like, aerosol cans and, like, I don't want to say I found lighters, but I definitely, like, had access to matches. So I would, like, strike up a match and... Yeah, I didn't burn anything up or down, but kids, don't try this at home. So with basically all the vampires pretty much slain and ultimately, like, things have calmed down, the principal is just dropping detention slips on dead bodies left and right. He is like, detention to you, detention to you, detention to you, and, like, these are all dead vampires with miscellaneous things from around the dance that were broken to use to slay them. And he's just, yep, detention, bitch. And it's in this moment that Buffy walks back in, still in one piece, still looking good. I mean, nothing really too disheveled about her, but she's looking for Pike. And as she's looking for Pike, Lothos busts through the door, actually busts through the wall, like the fucking Kool-Aid man. Like, oh, yeah. And basically threatens the entire alive students of this dance. But Buffy ain't having that shit. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing this. So we finally get our final showdown between Buffy and Lothos. And needless to say, Buffy slays his ass on the dance floor. Metaphorically and physically. And after she does this, she does end up finding Pike and they get to share again this soft romantic moment. And I always thought that this is where they're going to just get together because they've been through enough. Let's just, you know, let's just let them be together. And that's exactly what we get. They have one final little moment and Pike and Buffy ride into the morning as the sun comes up. And it was just kind of one of those cool moments because I feel it's like being on the back of a motorcycle has always been like a thrill. So just how badass is that just to like leave? Like we just slayed a bunch of vampires together and now I'm taking you on my motorcycle. Let's do this. And as the credits begin to roll, we get a news report about what had happened at the dance as students and people are commenting about what had happened. And we get Miss Liz Smith, who's a reporter, reporting on what just happened. And we talk to Andy and we talk to the principal. We get an out of it Kimberly because Kimberly got her head bashed against the wall because she was being ridiculous by the principal nonetheless. So she is just out of it. And then we see Jeffrey and Jennifer. And let's just say Jenny is not the happiest as she just lost her virginity to Jeffrey. And as the post credit scene keeps on rolling, we still get Amlin. He's still alive. One arm and a broken ruler through his chest. And he is still crying and whining about being stabbed. And that was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of Popcorn and a Popstar. This has been a fun ride and we are just beginning. So don't you worry. We got a lot more movies in the big pink vault to talk about. So next week, tune in as we watch the 1985 whodunit board game brought to life, Clue. And as always, be kind to yourself. Know that you're amazing. And when in doubt, glitter it out. Love you, bestie. And I will be back next week for more Popcorn and a Popstar.
Popcorn and a Popstar is not endorsed by any of the film production companies associated with the films viewed, and all opinions expressed during this podcast are for entertainment and comedic purposes only. Not all facts will be correct, but we attempt to be as accurate as possible. All names, pictures, audio, and media are registered trademarks and or copyrights of the respective trademarks or copyright holders, and is used solely for entertainment purposes only.